which was just like getting into a, a car accident on acid on, on acid yeah and, uh how do you know all this stuff about me <laughs> it's crazy um <laughs> And uh, I've never had someone do such thorough research. A finalist in the Boston Comedy Festival, then HBO's yeah. Best Comic, and then Conan, all yeah. within three years. You've done your research. Yeah, I got mugged at gunpoint oh, okay. once. Um, <laughs> I, I'm surprised you know about that. Well, you answered all the questions I had, man. Thank you awesome. so much. Thank for you. Thanks for doing uh, such diligent research. Oh, thank you. Hot breath. That's right. We're back in action. Back in action. Hello, everybody, and welcome, hot brethren and sistren, and welcome our newly acquired hot brethren and sistren. Thank you guys for hopping on board, hot breath. I am your host, Joel Byers. Welcome to the hot breath averse. It's an exciting day, ladies and gentlemen. I must say, we should have a toast to this monumental day. Not only do we have an amazing guest, but we have an amazing new sponsor. That was me popping the cap on a growler of Atlanta's own Golda Kombucha. Yeah, that's right. If you guys don't know what kombucha is, it's super good for you. It has all these probiotic jazz in it. But the great part about Golda is, one, it's based out of Atlanta, and it actually is the recipe of, quote, Grandma Golda, who is actually 94 years old, and she's been doing this recipe for decades now. You can go to goldakombucha.com, check out the store there, order stuff online, or if you want to buy it in person, I mean, this, this lady's on the hustle. Her name's Melanie. She's at all the farmer's markets. I actually met up with her at the East Atlanta Farmer's Market on Thursdays. You can catch her at pretty much all the farmer's markets, She's also at the Pont City Market. You can catch her at Kroger's around town. You can catch her at Whole Foods around town. This is really, you know, an up-and-coming product just like hot breath. So it was only right that we teamed up. I'm sipping on a little uh, pear ginger flavor. Mmm. It tastes good, and it's good for you, man. Kombucha's been around for, like, thousands of years, but it's now starting to get a resurgence into the mainstream and Golda is at the forefront of that so thank you so much goldakombucha.com go check them out and while you're online check out our other sponsor Wax and Wick Candles I couldn't be happier with this sponsor either they've been kind of around since near the beginning and they're they're a uh, micro batch hand poured soy candles so, you know I'm only messing with quality with these sponsors but they have crazy scents like whiskey uh, espresso and more tame things like Earth is one. My favorite is Blue Pine, but there's none of these frivolous chemicals in it. Like, it doesn't leave any black residue on the candle. It's all just natural, and it, you know, it goes to a, a good up-and-coming company. If you go to waxandwick.co and use promo code 40 off Joel Byers, you can get 40% off your order. I mean, you know, you've got Father's Day coming up. I couldn't think of a better gift because there are some masculine scents in there, uh, mandals, if you will. So head on over to waxandwick.co. Give that a shout-out, man. Um, of course, you know, I also have to mention, you know, if you come to my show I host every Wednesday at Java Monkey Indicator at 
I always like to do a little um little giveaway of sorts, you know. There's uh, last week a lucky winner got a oak moss flavored candle, so come on out and maybe you'll luck out on a uh, candle giveaway. But I mean, these are quality products, man. So just go to waxandwig.co for show. And you know, you could also, if you don't want to come to my show, you could come to my class. I teach a comedy class at Highwire Comedy Company, which also does sketch and improv classes. But if you go to highwirecomedy.com, you can see links to all that. My comedy class, we're about half full right now. We're starting up on June 5th. So, you know, hit me up on social media at Joel Byers Comedy or on Facebook or my website, joelbyerscomedy.com, if you'd like more information. But, I mean, people from just seasoned comedians all the way to just comedy fans or just, you know, curious civilians have tried this class out. So you really, if you're just looking to gain a new perspective on comedy and how to create it through your own point of view, definitely give me a shout. I'd be happy to have you hop aboard. We have a secret promo code, JB Club, exclusive hot breath. Use promo code JB Club at howourcomedy.com. Get 25 bucks off. So, you know, we're doing big things here. And today is no different with the awesome guest, Shane Moss. I must start out by saying thank you to Shami Lowand. She's the general manager over at Relapse Theater. And also thank you to Bob Wood for letting me record there. He's the owner and all that jazz of Relapse Theater. But um, Shane Moss was, you know, he's working on another one-man show about psychedelics. So he came through Atlanta, performed at Relapse, and I was able to do this interview before his show. You know, and Shane Moss, a guy who's been in the industry, he just did one Netflix special about... Um, evolutionary psychology which is fascinating it's called mating season on netflix check that out it's hilarious and just insightful just like his new one he's working on here about psychedelics and he goes takes you down a couple wormholes i'll say it was very entertaining and informative and just flat out funny um this was a very exciting interview because this is a guy who had a lot of success early on i mean within three years he had been voted like HBO Comic of the Year and been a finalist in the Boston Comedy Festival and also performed on Conan all within three years and since he's you know he's had a Comedy Central half hour special and he's performed on Conan numerous times but as a comedian I asked him how he had such early success and then you know kind of what he his evolution because he kind of goes from talking about you know drinking and like sex and stuff to now evolutionary psychology so we we kind of go on that whole arc of his comedy career, but also his life from growing up in what has been voted to have the most bars per capita in the world up in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So, he, you know, he had a bit of some, uh, some drinking foibles we touch on, but also now he's into the psychedelics, as I'm sure many of you know as being fans of him. So we dive into that world as well and just um, what he's gotten out of it and what he wants to get out of it in the future. So, I mean, a super fun interview. I was happy just to talk to him and kind of surprise him with a couple questions because he's done a lot of interviews. So I was happy to throw him a couple curveballs in there. But this is a fun contrast from last week when I interviewed Josh Harris, who went from uh, drugs to religion. Now, Shane, growing up a traditional Catholic, 
now we're showing his transition from religion to drugs. So this will be a nice, you know, compliment to last week's episode. If you haven't heard that one with Josh Harris last week, definitely check that one out. You learn, if you don't know who Josh is, you're going to learn a lot about yourself in that interview. Um, but uh, now we're on to this interview. So I will hold it up no longer. Thank you for tuning in, all my hot brethren system. Welcome, newcomers. Welcome. So nothing left to do now but to inhale a hot breath with Shane Moss. What's up, dude? Good, I'm Joel. Hey, Joel. Nice to see you, man. Hey, Joel, do you need anything to drink? Water? I want you a water. Oh, yeah? Okay, yeah. cool. All right. All right. I get some mics. Yeah. Extra time, man. Yeah, absolutely. He's very nice of you. I usually don't like to ask people unless we like perform together. Just so there's like context. And I'm not just some dude asking questions, you know, but it's fine. It's all good. All right. Well, welcome to Atlanta. Thank yeah. you. All right. When's the last time you performed here? Um, I did some show, some small show, kind of last minute, like last fall, uh-huh. like six months ago when I was first starting to put together this new show that I'm doing about psychedelics. Yeah. And I hadn't, I, 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 it was a smaller space. I didn't have my marketing figured out at the time and everything else because it was very new. Um, and so, yeah, so now I'm back doing a much better venue. <laughs> yeah. Relapse. Yeah. This place is awesome. We're in the basement of a church right now. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> the podcast is based out of Atlanta. So I'll always like, if I interview somebody who's not from Atlanta, I always like to at least establish what your context would be to Atlanta. So like, if you know anything about the scene or like your experience here. Mm-hmm. I did the laughing skull one week and I did... Um, the improv one week and, um, I, I saw some different parts of the city and whatnot and, yeah. and yeah, enjoyed it. Okay, good. Yeah. You perform all over the country. So it's, yeah. I like to think Atlanta is like the next Chicago as far as everybody that blew up out of Chicago. Like a lot of people are starting to do that from Atlanta. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It's got a good scene. It's yeah. A lot of, a lot of creative people and that sort of thing thing it's um there's there's more uh, it seems like there's more people um more more of an emphasis on on being unique mm. and um yeah, having more thought-provoking content and yeah. everything in in this uh city from my experience with it which you know the laughing skulls kind of like a small hip uh, venue as far as how as far as comedy clubs go mm-hmm. and um yeah i did i did the uh the relapse one other time so i was excited to uh come back i remember it seeming <laughs> scarier last time yeah. <laughs> maybe i maybe i'm just more of a grizzled veteran now <laughs> than, than i was like 
<laughs> five years ago or whatever it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like it. It's uh, it's it's perfect for this kind of show. Yeah, totally for yeah. the show you're doing about psychedelics. And I all love that. Uh, I love that I get to talk about drugs in church. Yeah, uh, it's usually the, uh, the uh, usually you go to church and hear about the evils, right? Of, of the devil drugs, yeah. and uh, now <laughs> now I get to bring a, a different point of view. <laughs> yeah, you would know all about what a church tries to impose on people. Yeah, I'd say growing up in a strict Catholic home and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I right, had a very strict Catholic upbringing. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure people had a more strict Catholic upbringing than mine, mm-hmm. but um, I would consider it to be. It was a, a very you know people that were very set in their ways and very uh i mean fundamental these aren't people that are like oh it's a metaphor or whatever these are people that it's like no there was a noah's ark thing that happened they right, literally right. got all those animals on the <laughs> yeah. yeah they yeah. god did actually come down and talk to people uh and then decided to disappear forever leaving behind only evidence to the contrary and you know taking everything very quite literally right and um no no real flexibility there not uh not not the most open to new ideas um but it's also the city that i'm from um which is outside of the cross wisconsin has definitely like everywhere else became more progressive over time Mm -hmm. i think it's probably a easier in in that regard i'd say it's probably a a more more um open-minded environment um for for kids born today than when i was younger well that's good and you you've definitely i mean it's evolved since you've left i guess but you know you took an unorthodox route of moving to boston to start doing comedy what are your what's your traditional parents reaction to that um, they, I just moved to Boston. I didn't tell them I was going to become a stand-up comedian. Oh. Right? I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> I didn't tell anyone that I was going to be a stand-up or that I was trying to be a stand-up comic or anything until I was going to be on Conan. Mm. Um, and then I told people for basically, um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I started telling some people when I won an award, like a couple months before that. Right, the HBO um, yeah. Best Comic Award. Yeah, cool. um, and that was like my big break, kind of. And <laughs> uh, yeah, two years in, uh, to, yeah, yeah, a big break too. You a finalist in the Boston Comedy Festival, then it, HBO's yeah. voted Best Comic, and then Conan, all yeah, within three you, years. You've done your research. Yeah, yeah. I, did, <laughs> I did my first uh, Conan appearance and. Um, just before my third year anniversary in in comedy, so it was uh, I was pretty fortunate. That's uh, yeah. that was I was kind of fast tracked. Yeah, but you had had practice. I mean, you were writing jokes like since you were fifteen, right? Just yeah. I mean, I don't know how many of them were any good, but it was. I think it definitely helped that I kind of had the practice down of writing, and it was something that was on my mind a lot, and mm-hmm. I would kind of like sneakily be trying out material on friends when, right you know, right right at the bar and whatnot <laughs> uh-huh. um and so i was maybe a little more mentally prepared and i mean i did 
I realized in a hurry that a lot of what I had written was absolute garbage. <laughs> but I mean, that's still the case today. I mean, it's a yeah, uh, it's a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. and everything else. But uh, so it's it's humbling when you start stand up um, <laughs> and. But there was definitely there were some things that I had written that were that were decent that turned into actual jokes that did well. Because a lot of it was just fighting anxiety, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I did have really horrible stage fright, but it's so there's like on my Wikipedia page, like someone oh. wrote this Wikipedia page for me, and it's all about like me triumphing over anxiety, and and basically the reason why they wrote that was because they dug up every newspaper clipping that they could on me, and when you're interviewed for a newspaper or whatever, they try to like spice things up and make things seem a little more dramatic than they actually were. I mean, there's. Mm-hmm. There's harder things to do in life than to get on stage <laughs> and in front of people. I did have stage fright, absolutely. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was starting out, I put my my name on the list for an open mic, mm-hmm. and I remember as it was getting closer and closer, I remember just thinking, I'm just gonna, I can't do this. I'm just gonna leave, and I'm just never going to come back. I guess I can't be a comedian. And then, fortunately, I kind of. I was in a bit of a corner where I was like, well, I'm doing factory work and there's yeah. no way I will do factory work for the rest of my life. And I don't see how I could get any kind of education. I don't know what I, I mean. I had ho- horrible grades in school. I never paid any attention because I just was banking on being a comedian my whole life. And mm-hmm. I didn't understand what, why I would need to learn about um, chemistry or whatever it might be. Um, so, so that helped kind of push me to be like, suck it up. You have to get up there. You have to do this. And, but it's also open mics are just kind of scary and horrible. Usually in general, certainly the one I started out at was a train wreck nightmare of a situation. And, um, well, it was, uh, this place that is, um, it's now like a condemned building and I don't know how it wasn't sooner. I think they actually bribed like, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, because, uh, they, they were violating so many health codes and mm-hmm. structural codes and everything else. And, uh, and the guy running, running the bar was kind of like tied in with some like shady stuff. So gotcha. I think. I think that's the only way it was even open. It was it had two bathrooms and only one of them ever worked and usually it was like the stall door was ripped off and that kind of like a real dive bar. And it was a true open mic. Anyone that showed up would get on. It'd start at eight o'clock and it'd usually go until about one thirty in the morning. And um and they this is in Dorchester, Massachusetts, which is a really, really bad area. Um, I think Marky Mark is from there. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> um, and I, yes, I still do call him Marky Mark. I'll say name drop. Uh, yeah. Um, and so it, it was a rough area. Um, it's funny that's like it was a rough area. You know, Marky Mark was Marky from Mark. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that the place the, you the got? Funky Bunch was from there. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I got mugged at gunpoint oh, one, okay. once. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised you know about that, but yeah, I got mugged at gunpoint outside of that open mic once. Um, I uh, they used to have 
to get people to stick around drinking. It was all just comics, no actual mm-hmm. audience at show. Maybe, maybe some newbie that didn't know anything would bring like a, a couple friends sometime. And it was, it was, you know, it was just bad. No one was paying attention, and and they they would give you. Uh, you would get a slice of pizza mm-hmm. if you stuck around until midnight, and so and and if you had performed, and so all of these homeless people would come in and do a set oh so that gosh. they could get a slice of pizza, <laughs> yeah. and be be like in the warm for a little while. Or mm-hmm. as actually, there was never heat um, or air conditioning, so it was either depending on the time of the year, it was either freezing and everyone had coats on, or it was yeah. way too hot and. Uh, and that's, that's where, that's where I started. I did that. I did that show was every Wednesday night. I did it every single week and I'd bring a new five minutes of material each week. And I would uh, kind of be just bombing to silence like everyone else was. And I would, I'd find a gem here and there and, uh, put it together after like a couple months, a few of these gems and did an actual, show and like a showcase show in an actual comedy club small old comedy club went really well and all and then all the comics in the community were really supportive and everything and and um i kind of moved up pretty quickly after that yeah through your whole career but a big part of you know earning your stripes in the comedy game is also uh getting booed is something that can happen a lot i always ask comedians on this show a story of getting booed or if you haven't been booed just a horrendous you know atomic bomb um god i've had a lot of bombs (laughs) booed i mean sometimes if you do like religious stuff or something like that i mean i know i've definitely done some you know atheist material in front of you know conservative audiences Mm -hmm. And like abortion jokes and stuff like that. Um, I God, getting booed. Um, I once had like a real kind of nervous, nerve-wracking moment where I just kind of slipped a little bit. Um, really, I mean, it was something that I would have said to any audience but i was just like not thinking of the context and it was this i think it was i don't remember his name some um some black comic who i was opening for and drew an all black audience Mm -hmm. and i they had no (laughs) interest in me whatsoever (laughs) and i was not a good host anyway especially at that time i'm still not a very good host but i was especially bad host at the time and i remember i was like trying i thought i think i said something like um i'll find something to get you people and then like i was like what the fuck you mean you people and it got so awkward and then like some people started laughing and i was able to turn it around i made fun of myself for being but i remember that like sticking out as being like oh god i just fucked up um (laughs) 
Which it's not like I was like started dropping n bombs or did a Kramer, you know, a, right. a Michael Richard thing. It was just like very innocent. It wasn't meant, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's moments like that. I remember um, being in this shitty stuck up cl- club that was like a restaurant. I, I, I I told I told them that I would never like say their name or anything like that because it was just an awful week for everyone involved. Uh-huh. Um, and this place is notorious for some people do well there, and then lots of people just have a really really hard time there. And it's there's like a bunch of like kind of stuck up rich white people, and and um, I, I was also in a transitional stage in my career where I was trying to take develop theme-based shows and i was trying to figure that out um my act used to be like short weird kind of one-liner ish things um and kind of off the wall stuff or like shock value kind of stuff and (laughs) and now i do much more kind of theme-based shows and I remember like bombing so hard that people were just like walking out on me mm-hmm. left and right. And I, and I was like so nervous too, because of how hard that I was like, I was like trying too hard too. Right. And whereas if I would have just been like now I, I would walk into that situation, make fun of what a bunch of spoiled uh, assholes they are. And then like, and then, like make fun of how rich they are. Like rich people love it when you make fun of how rich they are. I have They're like, that. it's yeah. so true. <laughs> we are so crazy rich. They love hearing that yeah. shit. Um, you were headlining? Yeah, yeah. So you had to do that for like 45 minutes. Yeah, and, just, and I was oof. bombing real bad. And then I was like, okay. And then I went and did a show um, after afterwards i did there so then there's a second show and i went on stage i took a shot and i was like what had happened was he'd also like his dad was in the show the day before and his dad said that like it seemed and the show went really well and his dad said like it seemed like i was working out new stuff or something like that and maybe a bit or two but i wasn't but that but the dude wrote my agent about it. Wow. And so and then my agent called me. And then I saw so I was already like so don't ever like uh, I thoroughly believe that an owner should never like give a comic criticism like that until the week's over. If you booked mm. the person and that's it's not gonna help like I was once at a club and the feature act, I guess, was like dirtier than what the club booker booked. But it was his first week featuring, mm-hmm. and he did great. He had a great show. And then, like, the owner was like, "Oh, you know, do do more of your clean stuff or whatever." Well, he didn't have any more material. It was his first time featuring, and the dude booked him. He was a local dude. It's like <laughs> yeah. you knew his act and you booked it, and then you're giving. And then the dude sucked the whole rest of the week because he was in his head. And that was sort of like what happened with me. And then on the second show, I tried to get, I I was like, because people were like leaving and I was like, fuck, what if they're complaining and stuff to the people that were waiting for the second show? So to, I was like, oh, I'll just acknowledge that I just had the worst show, um, 
and and like I'm happy to see you guys because I'm sure we'll, this one's gonna be great. And it wasn't. It mm-hmm. was the same shit happened, and um, mm-hmm. and it was awful. And I ended up uh, crying oh. afterwards. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And I, I also um, drank myself silly, mm-hmm. and like I think I even like got in some little fight with a waitress or something like that. It was just bad news. I actually quit drinking the the following day wow. for like two or three years or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that's a, that was an epic bomb. Wow, a bomb so bad it made you sober. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What I, I love about those. What I love about your career is like you always wanted to be a comedian, but then you kind of sputtered a little bit. Like like in high school, you're like, okay, I'm gonna graduate and move to New York, but then you end up in a crouton factory just getting hammered all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Five it was it was like I I was and a lot of it was just like being nervous about like how do I start this thing? Mm-hmm. And I definitely wanted to be in a different city. That I didn't want anyone I knew knowing or mm-hmm. coming and watching me. That seemed absolutely terrifying to me. And um, I had a friend moving to Boston finally. But but I remembered it was like my 23rd birthday. And I remembered that I was like, it's been five years and you haven't done anything that you said you're going to do. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going. And I happened to have a friend that was moving to Boston. I was aiming for like New York or LA because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. I was like, I'll talk, take along to Boston, and that's what I did, and that's how that happened. That's why it took me five years to kind of get things off the <laughs> ground. But it's also uh, I was a little, at least I, you know, I had some life experience and stuff, and a lot more to draw from. So. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's always, you know, you go, oh, what if I would have started five years earlier? I'd have five more years of experience. I don't, I don't know how, you know, who knows, who knows what, what my career would look like now. You were busy massaging the brain with yeah. the substances and yeah, such. Yeah, yeah. Still are, but I mean, you've been very vocal about, I guess, al- alcohol as being something. I mean, are you still sober? Uh, you... I, dr- I drink again. Yeah. Uh, I don't really like alcohol that much, uh-huh. but certainly, I mean, it's just a social lubricant, and yeah. I can be a little awkward socially, and so it's just self-medicating. And uh, But I don't, I don't drink to, like forget my problems like I used to before cool. I quit. And now mm-hmm. I drink like much more like a normal person rather than like a raging. Like I used to get blackout drunk like all the time. And I would like I would I mean all all the time I yeah. was getting blackout drunk. Yeah. But aren't you from the city that's like has the world record for most bars per capita? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. lacrosse Wisconsin and I think they're ranked um there's just some study that came out biggest drinkers um in in the country and i Mm -hmm. think i think wisconsin has um like seven different cities in the top 10 and um lacrosse is number six i believe appleton wisconsin is number one um based on you know amount of alcohol consumed per person essentially and and some other factors like most drunk driving incidents and blah 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 and so yeah the the sixth biggest drinking and i think that it was 
there was way more drinking when I was around. Now when I go back, I'm like, man, I remember this, you know, Wednesday night. People would be getting shit-faced until 2 a.m. and, like, the streets would be full of drunks. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the case anymore. So I think it used to be a bit worse. But, yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, I, when I moved to Boston, I remember people would be like, see the way that I drank be like whoa what the <laughs> fuck are you doing and I didn't know that there was anything I thought that's just how everyone drank because yeah. that was how all my friends drank from Wisconsin so I didn't think there's anything that weird about it was was there a lot of drinking in your family as well no 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 my my dad probably has like a beer just about every day and or maybe two uh, um, Sundays, and I'm not sure. And my mom will have like a glass of wine probably like every other day or something oh, like okay. that. And then family gatherings, maybe a little more. I've, I've seen my mom drunk like maybe twice in my life. I bet I've seen my dad drunk maybe five to ten times in my life and not 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 like hammered or anything yeah. like like oh noticeably okay he's a little he's a little loopy yeah and that's that's been in like my adult life like him coming to one of my comedy shows oh, and okay. being excited and hanging out and everyone else is trying he's just not he's not the type he doesn't do shots or anything like that okay. and my my mom's side there's some uh, heavier drinkers but still other than like one uncle who's who drinks <laughs> a fair amount more than everyone else i, I would say that no nah, it's not really okay. um nobody's out getting duis and high speed I, chases and all that i'm the biggest drunk in my family <laughs> uh yeah I've okay been in yeah all sorts of trouble with the police yeah. i'm i'm definitely like the black sheep of, of my family by a long shot when did all the other like drugs start to creep was it was alcohol the first no um okay. i liked weed first i didn't even like alcohol i wish i would have all no, i wish i would have never grown to like alcohol uh -huh. like i kind of forced myself to like it and uh yeah i i think alcohol is kind of a dumb drug but um weed was my first love um, I smoked an insane amount of weed just as often as I possibly could get away with until I was about 19. And then I like quit for a couple of years. I didn't try to quit or anything. I just didn't feel like it anymore. How old were you when it, when you first started? 16. 16. Okay. And then, uh, and then after a couple of years, I started smoking weed again on like a, it's been pretty consistent. I smoke weed probably about. I don't know, five times a month or something okay. like that. Mm -hmm. Not, I don't smoke much weed. It's just kind of a boring drug to me. Um, psychedelics came shortly after weed, and um, psychedelics, I think, kind of changed my life and yeah. uh, opened up my mind. And um, I think they're amazing. I just think they're an amazing drug. When I was young, I didn't know how to use them and like kind of – didn't know that they're not a party drug and they're more of a meditative therapeutic aid. And, um, I got, 
even even still i there's one incident that i talk about on stage which was just like getting into a, a car accident on acid on, on acid yeah and, uh how do you know all this stuff about me <laughs> it's crazy um <laughs> And uh, I've never had someone do such thorough research. And um, I, uh, but that wasn't, I don't even blame acid for that. That was just like the kind of idiot I, I always got in car accidents and stuff like that when I was a kid. I was just an asshole driver. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple like difficult trips and stuff like that, but, and I'm not saying that for everybody. That's not at all what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I am saying that for me. Absolutely. I can't imagine I would ever stop doing psychedelics in my life. I think there, I wish I did more of them. Um, I wish I could get myself to do more of them. They're a little bit kind of, well, one, they're time consuming into their, they can be a little, a little scary ish at times. And, you know, you don't know about where, where you're at mentally, if you're in a good headspace. I take them and that's never an issue, but you forget (laughs) and you, you, you can't, it's hard to articulate the experience of tripping and you always forget when you're not tripping, you can't, you can't completely remember what it was like. And so it's like, you know, it seems a little strange to, change your perception or whatever, which is, it's funny because people aren't scared to do like alcohol or uh, even like Coke and stuff. A lot of people aren't, aren't worried about having a heart attack or anything like that. Or, um, you know, aren't really scared of cigarettes, which are, which are really about possibly, one of the worst fucking drugs on earth yeah are you still off of those too uh no i started smoking again after i started oh. drinking and oh. i've been back and forth and it sucks i hate i hate cigarettes so much they're just pointless way to not just shorten your life but make your life just worse in the meantime yeah uh they're they're awful they are awful um yeah i, I can't i can't believe that they're legal and other things aren't but like psychedelics, yeah. And when you say psychedelics, which ones are you talking about? Like mushrooms, mushrooms, DMT? acid, DMT. DMT. A lot of people don't know about. It's like the world's most powerful hallucinogen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I I love uh, I love DMT. I I think it's great. I I like mushrooms. Is mushrooms are mushrooms are fantastic. Acid. Um, Acid's just so damn long that it's like, <laughs> I like acid and everything, but I would like it a whole lot more if you could, if it was a six hour trip rather mm-hmm. than like a 12 hour trip, I would like it so much more. Um, I, and I, maybe I would even like it more than mushrooms, but it's just so long that to me, it's like, you don't need that much time to gain whatever mm-hmm. insights from it and whatnot like you kind of like all right i get it and mm-hmm. now i've learned a few things and i can go back to normal now i'm done with this and mushrooms is pretty good for that because mushrooms is like mushrooms is a pretty manageable four to eight hours if you like really have a lot um and 
Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have a lot for it to last eight hours. And and then it's not even that strong on the upswing. And, and when it's wearing off, it's just like you're still feeling effects, but it's really not much of anything. And DMT uh, is like 10 minutes, right? Yeah, 10 minutes. That DMT is a jarring, jarring experience, Like, and it can be very unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's uh was it stand for by the way? Dimethyltryptamine. Okay. It's, and it's like I've heard it called the spirit molecule, yeah. but is this something released like when you die or dream or something? Yeah, that's what they say. Okay. I don't I don't know if that's actually what's happening. Okay. Um and I, I'm not sure anyone knows, but I think there's people trying to get down to the bottom of it. But I I I believe that there's some merit to that. I've had dream states while on DMT, like brief moments of dream states. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, why else would that be happening? Um, and uh, um, as far as like out of bo- having an out of body kind of experience and like feeling like you're going, you know, you hear people that have a uh, that die and then are revived, and right. they see these lights and tunnels or whatever it might be. I mean, it seems like. That's what I'm seeing when on DMT. Yeah, so wow. so I, I think that there's probably some truth to that. I don't I don't know who who knows. You've said you just said you wish you would like to do more hallucinogens, like yeah. you could do it more frequently. Like what is what is kind of a, your regimen or how how much have you done? I guess I do. I, I usually do mushrooms like two or three times a year, but now okay. I'm trying to do them. Um, now I've been doing them like more like five times a year, especially since writing this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to bump it up to doing them like <laughs> almost once a month would be nice. I'd like to do acid like five times a year maybe. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do DMT like once a week. Um, wow. Right now I do acid probably like once a year and DMT maybe like once a month. So I'd like to bump all those up. Well, have you're? I guess you're. Are you? You're about to turn thirty-seven. Thirty-six, actually. Thirty-six yeah. on the twenty-fifth, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> you've done drugs long enough to like. Are the, are you experiencing long-term effects? I've heard like people that do a lot of acid. There can be like flashbacks randomly and things like that. Has anything like that happened? I don't. I haven't had any flashbacks. I'm a little skeptical of all that stuff, but mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, I think. I think that if you have a family history of schizophrenia, um, and so you have, there's this genetic component of schizophrenia that makes makes it so it's possible that it could happen to you, and maybe, and and, and it does seem that there's environmental triggers for schizophrenia, like identical twins, one will have schizophrenia and the other won't, mm-hmm. but the other one might eventually get it too. Um, so there's definitely both a genetic and a environmental component, and some people argue that uh, that that psychedelics can trigger um, that schizophrenic state. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical of that. I'm not saying that it can't happen. Well, I, I don't know. I'm saying I would like to. I would like to see what the actual research is. This is a very poorly researched thing. I'm not saying everyone should do psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I think that they should be, bare minimum, a Schedule II drug so that scientists can study them. 
and and that's not going to make it any easier for people to get them or anything else it, and it, but it will help it will help uh, decriminalize it a little bit so that people aren't I talked with this girl yesterday her brother um is a neuroscientist who is doing all of these studies with psychedelics and um and um trying trying to actual actually do studies he was a neuroscientist mm -hmm. and uh he got busted for manufacturing psychedelics wow and he now um is going to he he's w awaiting sentencing and it's going to be like something like I think a minimum is six years in prison or something like that is oh. what he's going to get six to 30 years. And this is a scientist who <laughs> he'll, he'll never be able to go to school again. Cause once you're a felon, you can't get, um, you can't get like uh, public funding or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just, he's just this great, sweet, intelligent person who is, doing scientific experiments right. and is now going to jail for scientific experiments, which is fucking crazy. So yeah, I, uh, uh, it, that needs to change immediately. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, are, are there negative effects? That's one, just one more reason why they should be studied just yeah. like everything else is studied. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely not against them at all. I yeah, mean, I think yeah. it can definitely open your mind and give you a new perspective on the world and all that jazz. Yeah, I mean, as far as it does seem that there's so I just had on my podcast, Here We Are, I just did the first live one and I had three different scientists on. It's a science podcast. And I had three different academics on and they were they I took a personality test. There's these five different personality traits that are pretty easy to measure and um, kind of say a lot about uh, a person, and and um, so it's it's like uh, conscientiousness, um, openness, uh, extroversion, um, stability, and um, uh, agreeableness, and I am. I, very 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 high on openness like very very at like a pretty extreme level of openness meaning mm -hmm. like i really really get off on novelty like i need i can't just have novel like i i need like i crave novelty yeah. like i i get uh depressed when i don't have it and um it does certainly and there's there's advantages and disadvantages to being uh, either an open-minded or closed-minded person um otherwise those traits would have evolved out if one of them was was wasn't beneficial mm -hmm. or didn't serve a function so um it's it's pretty much been studied that um one one dose of psychedelics and you will test higher on the openness scale for wow. the rest of your life wow. um so i mean if you're scared of being a more open-minded person <laughs> um you're probably the person that needs psychedelics the right, most honestly yeah. but i mean there are there's definitely people 
you can be too open-minded to the fact that you'll see people that are maybe even a little higher than me that are um, a little gullible and buy into like a lot of ridiculous conspiracy theories and and make like too many connections yeah um oh yeah that that are things that just aren't there is no connection see fortunately um what offsets that for me is i'm uh i'm low in agreeableness and so Mm. i'm uh i'm a very skeptical um cynical uh, person mm-hmm. and so that kind of offsets that kind of puts that in in check a little bit for me whereas someone that would be very high in agreeableness and very high in openness think of like your very free love i love everyone right. kind of uh hippie mm-hmm. is probably going to also think that um you know their tarot cards are magic and the horoscopes are a real thing and believe in psychics and also into conspiracy theories and and that sort of thing so um you know there's advantages and disadvantages and certainly i mean those people don't need their mind expanded probably anymore they could probably (laughs) use it reeled in a, a, a little bit but they're also not hurting anybody um and you know, so I, I, I don't know how how bad that is for you. I mean, every, first off, plenty of closed-minded people are awfully gullible and believe in all sorts of ridiculous religions and everything else. So, you know, you can make a lot of arguments on, on all sides of it. One advantage to your drug use is that it drove you to your Netflix special mating season where you... you pretty much ate mushrooms, watched Animal Planet, and we're like, hey, there's something going on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it got me into um, studying evolutionary psychology and biology. When I do psychedelics, it's, when I'm done with psychedelics, I'm like, I need to read more. I, under, I need to understand the mind more, and it really motivates me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, alcohol does not. Alcohol's like, I need to find a way to not feel like throwing up today because yeah. i'm hungover yeah um so so yeah i mean they they've been incredibly inspirational in my life and not only that they, they've improved my uh, mental well-being they've helped my with my depression they've they've given me so many insights i mean i just can't say enough good things about psychedelics again they're not for everybody but absolutely they've been a tremendous um thing in my life and it makes me sad to think about what my life might be like had i not done psychedelics it also makes me sad that there's so many people that'll never get to experience like i feel very lucky that i've gotten to see like someone gave me DMT and I've gotten to see the entirely different like universes and galaxies and stuff that are in <laughs> my mind. Wow. Um, there's just different levels of perception that most people will just never get to see. I guess when they die, they'll get to see, you know, this last little, but I think that would be kind of, I think it would be a little scary to have your first DMT trip right when you're dying, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're going to have a DMT trip eventually. So. Yeah, right? Yeah, it seems a little maybe maybe I just don't want to know. I'll just believe you. Like, I That's don't fine. Maybe like not I for feel everybody. like if, if I break open that door, I can't close it. Well, it is it's hard to stop thinking about um but you you don't really remember specifics that much of it, but it's definitely hard to you'll be like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> 
And I definitely need to like know more. I want to keep exploring and finding out more. And I don't imagine that'll ever stop. Um, so I guess that's a that's a side effect. But um, it's also been incredibly inspiring. I, I think I've stumbled upon some um, some ideas, some like neuroscience ideas that yeah that uh, there. I don't know how you could have. Uh, how I could have thought of them any other way. I don't know how any neuroscience could, neuroscientists could. And and there's people that, there's these philosophers that have these ideas about how non-conscious brain works. But I think I've seen some of, like, I've seen some of it. I've seen when, like, oh, I think that theory's off. And I think this theory's dead on. And they don't know. But I've seen those levels of perception that you just don't have access to normally. You mentioned your podcast, Here We Are, and you interview a lot of the top scientists like around about specific fields and everything. Do you see, um, is there drug use within the community? Like, is this like a common thread? Usually they're like, well, you'd be surprised how many, how many like psychologists or neuroscientists mm -hmm. have at least experimented. Um, but they're also, one, one of the problems with science is that it is, you have to be a very exceptionally disciplined person to be able to do what it takes to get into academia. And so sometimes you miss out on um, these uh, people that are um, think outside the box a bit more. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't I would definitely say that my guess is is that there is not at all like rampant drug use going on in academia behind closed doors. I oh, just okay. think that I, my guess is that they've uh, like psychologists and neuroscientists have, have probably done a little bit of experimenting with psychedelics, but probably no more than most of the general population. Okay. I wasn't trying to get you to be a whistleblower or anything. I was no. just looking. It yeah, just yeah. seemed like an interesting question. Well, what's interesting about your just commitment to science now, I mean, you're a C student, you didn't go to college, and now you're doing your own research. Do you think your, like, your love for science came from, like, I've, I've heard you reference a story when you were in high school, I think it was, you had a science teacher say that Adam and Eve were, like, the first people and that we're all getting dumber because we're yeah. all incestual and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that kind of send you, like, on a... You you say you always like to question things. Did that send you on a trajectory of, like, well, let me discover science for myself? Well, I think... I mean, I, I was a very angry atheist because of my upbringing. I very much rebelled against it, and I think having to argue with people made me kind of have to learn some shit with evolution and... and um, like physics and, and uh, other disciplines. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped plant the seeds. I don't think that's where it's coming from now, but I think that definitely helped. I think psychedelics played a factor. I think as a comic, we have lots and lots of free time to like sit and think, which also is, I mean, every, every comic's like a bit of a philosopher yeah. in a way. Yeah. And um, science is a way to explore those things in a, in a, in a different way than, um, than what most people are doing. I think a lot of people think a lot of the stuff that I talk about, they think I like I'm a really smart person or whatever. I, I think that it's just that um, 
the stuff that I'm interested in is very foreign to a lot of people. Yeah. I, uh, as a, I mean, if I hear someone talking about sports, uh, like they're talking about it in a way that I'm like, they sound like a genius to me because they're rattling off these stats and talking about who, what trade would do what and, and mm, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I mean, people are doing the same sort of thing. I just happen to be doing it with a, um, uh, with bits of information that, that uh, most people aren't familiar with. Yeah, you went from you know doing jokes about drinking and anal sex to now like evolutionary psychology and all this like. Yeah, and then hopefully I'll do like evolutionary psychology of anal sex. Yeah, you know, <laughs> do a callback in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to. There's a lot of comics that listen to this, and I referenced your Netflix special mating season before. But like, what is that what is that process with Netflix? They're churning out so many comedy specials now. And I know yeah, they're New reeling Wave it is in a, big a little bit. Champion of that, but they're starting to reel it in a little bit. Yeah. Like, do they? Is there like creative freedom in that, or are they just grabbing people and like, okay, this is what this is what you're doing. Like, this is. Um. Yeah. I mean, I sent them. They're my management company. I sent them. You know, the hour that I was planning on doing, and they got back to uh, back to me and they're like sure do it and I, they didn't give me any notes i was able to do whatever i had complete control over the editing and everything else oh cool and it's great all those specials are getting easier and cheaper to be made now mm -hmm. because of just that's the nature of the way the world is going and so yeah hopefully more comics will get more opportunities and um, I think that's that's good. If people complain that there's too many of them because they're not good ones or whatever, it's like, well, yeah, there's not. It's the way that it's always been. I've I've, I've watched every single comedy cent before I did my Comedy Central presents mm. from from the time from the time I was a teenager until I did my Comedy Central presents. I had watched every single stand up thing that was ever on comedy central mm -hmm. i would record them i would set a dvr or whatever um i had I've, I've seen every single one and most of them i didn't i didn't like but that's because comedy is very subjective and yeah you know um i don't know people worry about it being watered down i think that it's more that we're creating a world where people get to do um, different things and and there's more you can do more like what I'm doing right now with my psychedelic show you can do more yeah. like niche things whereas in the past you weren't really able to do that nearly as much you kind of had to do much broader material so is the goal with the psychedelic show for like another Netflix maybe yeah I would love to do another special I don't know who is going to uh, a new wave of producer or who's going to um uh, make it for me but uh i'm pretty confident that i'll find someone to do it and yeah you had mentioned mating season like you've started off maybe writing as like a tv show mm -hmm. instead of like a special are you still thinking in, in long term having your own tv show like that mm, if i was going to do something now it'd probably be like hosting uh nat geo show or discovery channel show or something like that oh, okay. it's like a science show where i just happened to be a comic hosting it i wouldn't and it's not I, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like made to be a comedy or anything ideally it would be um you know like a uh anthony bourdain or like mm. a mike rowe kind of uh 
thing where there's humor in it and whatnot, yeah, but yeah. you wouldn't call it like a comedy show. You know? I was thinking like Bill Nye or something. Have you thought about that before? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm toying around with a lot of different mm -hmm. ideas. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's been a bit of a pain trying to figure out what'll work. I, yeah. I pitch things sometimes and I get notes and then the notes seem like it's a lot of times it's like, make it wackier and I don't want to. And so I'll, so I'm still revisiting some ideas. Is this like management you're pitching to? Is that how that? Yeah, and other people as networks well. and stuff. The make it wackier, be funnier. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, I get their perspective, but um, it just depends on um, because if it's not not Geo or Discovery, if it's like some other channel, then you know they don't want it science show; they want a comedy show. So people are even so, blowing up off web shows now too. Yeah, though. yeah. No. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I, I I have a I have a long ways to go in that department. It's never really been an ambition of mine to mm -hmm. be a TV star or host a TV show. I've never. Uh, all these people want to be like always dreamed about being a late night host. I never had that dream. I dreamed about being a guest on late night. I never. Uh, I never that that. I would hate that job. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't want to host a late night show. Yeah. I would absolutely hate that job. You'd rather um, be a robot. Uh, yeah, I'd much rather be a robot. I am a transhumanist, and I do uh, want to upload my brain into a computer, and I want a, a robot body. And when it, what is there a timeline on that? Because you've talked to a lot of scientists and stuff. Um, you know, hopefully before I die. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they they think that possibly we could download a brain into a computer in like 30 years i'm very skeptical of that but why not shoot for it yeah. and then and then it would take a long time after that before we can like recreate you know organic tissue or whatever it would take to build this robot body that we could then insert our brain into but so you'd potentially wake up like 300 years from now or something like that Jeez. And, um that sounds great to me there's people doing body hacking too have you heard of that where they're like putting magnets in their fingers and stuff yeah 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 i should <laughs> i should look into that <laughs> i should look into that <laughs> I, I i worry that uh you know i fly a lot so gotcha. and you're going through gotcha. security and it's like ah fucking well i put these magnets in my fingers right, don't yeah. worry about it <laughs> you know do you do anything else to nurture your um, your mind and everything, like whether meditation or a specific diet or anything like that? No, I wish I did a specific diet. Mm -hmm. I, I I took care of myself for a while, but I don't anymore. Um, I try to meditate. I don't meditate nearly enough. I I, I wish I did more guided meditations. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I meditate every day at least once for like a few minutes or whatever. Um, but I need to be doing more of that. Um, and I, I want to be doing at least a 20 minute guided meditation every day. And then, and then hopefully meditating a few more times throughout the day for like five minutes here and there. Um, cause it doesn't, it really doesn't take long once you have a sense of what you're doing. And once you've built those habits, um, a five minute break, it's not going, it might not get you there to like the same as like 20 minutes or an hour mm -hmm. or whatever would. But it's still going to be a recharge. It's still going to, um, it's still going to um, 
kind of help you uh, help engage the non-active mind. It's going to improve your memory and everything else. Um, I try to do uh, the Pomodoro technique when I'm when I'm uh, learning or writing or working, which is uh, the idea that your brain can only focus for like 20 to 30 minutes um, really well before things start kind of falling apart. And it's, uh, it's a pretty well-studied mm-hmm. thing. So I'll set an alarm for 20 minutes and I'll be writing or whatever. Then the alarm goes off and then I'll find a nice stopping point somewhere within the next five to 10 minutes. And then you take a five to 10 minute break and meditate or stretch or whatever even check facebook i don't recommend that but but just anything to get your mind off of it and that helps that helps your your non-conscious kind of process everything that you've been focusing on for the last 20 to 30 minutes and then you start over and do that again uh i do that i try to read i like listening to audio books more than i like reading but i i want to be reading more than i do Mm -hmm. i go in streaks where i'm reading like crazy and then not so much yeah well, I mean, you've been so generous with your time, man. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, and it just popped in my head. You are already body hacking with the metal in your feet. So, uh, um, the metal's out now. Oh, is the metal out yeah, now? Yeah, you yeah, blew yeah, out yeah, your yeah. heels? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a bone infection, so they had to take it all okay. out. Okay. I was it's just trying to give you, you're on the right track. Yeah, man. yeah. No, I'm not on the right track. <laughs> not, not as far as body hacking goes. Well, I always ask my guests, the final question is, uh, is there anything else that you want the world to know? The world to know. Um, I think that uh, we should. I always like encouraging people to keep on questioning and be inquisitive. And if you don't think you're an inquisitive person that like does research and looks into things, I would challenge yourself to do that more. I would challenge yourself to question your own beliefs. It's very difficult to do. Um, we egocentrism is a very big inevitable part of our lives that we can't really escape but um, yeah try to have new experiences and see things in different ways and keep questioning do you are you still an atheist by the way like do you I'm more of an agnostic now okay. D- DMT is made I mean yeah. I've seen stuff on DMT that's just like it's hard for me to deny that I was in a different dimension okay there's gotta um, be something no, I don't think there has to be. Uh-huh. I still think there's a good chance that it's just the inner workings of the mind and they have different uh, dimensions and and galaxies and beings and everything else. And that's how we store memories and run these simulations in our mind. And they're just at a different level that seem very foreign and we don't understand them. But um, But as much as I like to intellectualize it, pretty much every time I do dmt i'm like oh, i just saw god there's no yeah. <laughs> i keep on trying to deny it but i just saw god and that's all there is to it um and then when it's been a while since i've done dmt like it has now i'm like ah oh, no it's not it's yeah it's just your brain have you ever performed comedy on a hallucinogen it's like yeah, yeah i did yeah. I, I did um i did a couple sets on lsd once i didn't care for it it's kind of a waste of drugs gotcha I mean, i've heard like george carlin do it i didn't know if you it's more of a waste of drugs yeah cool. it's it's fine the sets went fine and everything else i just thought it was stupid um i don't know maybe maybe it would be fun to try doing this show sometime yeah. um on lsd or something i it's noticed just... the poster said you're gonna be sober during the show yeah. i didn't know why you made sure that was a because people because people always 
would be like, so are you going to be on drugs? Or are you going to? Uh, okay. And um, I was just, I just, it was just, let me answer this question right. for you. Yeah, this you is know it. The this most point. common yeah. question that I get. So <laughs> let me just answer that for you. Well, you answered all the questions I had, man. Thank you awesome. so much. For thank time. you. Thanks for doing uh, such diligent research. Oh, thank you. Uh, could you just, before we leave, could you just say your full name into the microphone? My name is Shane Moss. Shane Moss. Shane Moss. Was there Mosk at one point? Is that something? Yeah, Mosk? that's a thing that I don't... Yeah, is that I true? I couldn't say off the top of my head. Oh. I guess my ancestors were Jewish, and there was a time when they were giving away land somewhere, but not to Jews, and so they changed their name, which is a super Jewy thing to do. Oh, and, okay. uh, but that was a very long time ago, as you can tell by looking at how incredibly Aryan I look. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, there's, there's a... It's probably a little bit of Jew in all of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank That's you. That's a, a t-shirt idea. It's <laughs> a t-shirt idea. That's going to be the new slogan. There's a Jew in all of us. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Shane Moss. All right. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thank you, man. I'm glad. No, it was great. Nice work. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Sorry, I was just... Sipping on a little more of the gold of kombucha here. Yes, that was a winner. Thank you so much, Shane, for being so open and informative. Good luck out there. I'm sure our paths will cross again. Thank you, listeners, for hanging out with us one more time. I told you this was a this was another winner, I gotta say, here on Hot Breath. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked the episode, please share. However you can, you know, on your social media, hit me up on at Hot Breath Pod on social media or at Joel Byers Comedy or on Facebook. You know, share on Facebook. That's a great way to get the word out there. Any comments you guys leave, you know, I do actually invest in the time and actually read them and I really do appreciate them. Uh, Also, most appreciative would be on iTunes, you know. Tell me how you felt about this episode or any others. Just go to iTunes. You know, it's a free podcast. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm investing time. If you just want to invest, you know, two minutes tops, just go on iTunes. Even just clicking five stars really goes a long way as far as propelling the proponity of this podcast. I don't proponity. I don't know. I said all that to say thank you. Thank you to Golda Kombucha. Please go forth. You can check them out and their whole story of, you know, how they got Grandma Golda's recipe and how she's actually in her 90s now and, you know, is a great proponent of what kombucha can do for your life. Go to goldakombucha.com, see what they have to offer. Just go to your um, local farmer's market. Chances are, if it's in Atlanta, Golda's got it. Uh, My other sponsor, Wax & Wick candles soy candles of course you can catch them online at waxandwick.co if you use promo code 40 off joel buyers you get 40 percent off your order and they've got some strong scents in there like whiskey and earth and oak moss so it's perfect for father's day definitely go on there and you know save some money while getting your dad a quality gift he won't be like really after all that child support i paid Anyway, 
So yeah, go to waxwink.co, use promo code 40 off Joel Byers to just take advantage of that killer deal on quality candles, man. Uh, there's also a promo code for my comedy class for any of you. If you're if you're even on the fence about like, oh, that sounds interesting, but I don't know. We meet two hours every Sunday. It's an eight-week class plus a grad show. You're going to learn stuff about writing, about performance, about the business. I mean, even just curious. You know, go to howardcomedy.com. Use promo code JBClub. Get 25 bucks off the tuition this semester coming up here on June 5th. Just take the leap, you know. You, if it's Comedy is something that a lot of people think, think about, but then they never commit to it. I mean, just, you know, take the eight-week challenge. Uh, but I tell you what, you guys succeeded in the Hot Breath Challenge. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening this far down the rabbit hole as well. As we go down the wormhole of the hot breath of verse. Thank you one more time to Shamie Lowend for setting this interview up. And to Bob Wood for letting us use the relapse. Awesome relapse space. Go check out that venue. It's in Midtown. And it's awesome. Um, I think, you know, ladies and gentlemen. I think we have come to a fork in the road. I could continue to ramble. Or we could go ahead and scramble. So... I think we're going to go with the ladder and scramble. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. I love you for listening this far into the outro. That means you're really a hot fan. So leave an iTunes review if you're this far into it. Anyway, I will leave you with thanks and graces. And um, if I don't see you next Monday, I'll see you Wednesday at my show, Java Monkey Indicator, 830. But if I don't see you there, I'll see you next Monday at the Hot Breath of Verse. Thank you for listening. Hot Breath Podcast. Hashtag caffeinate your ears. Hashtag ATL pods. Hashtag doo-doo-doo. <laughs>